Dino. Welcome to the How to Buy a Home podcast. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate it. We're really, really glad to have you here. Now, we've got all kinds of folks out there that are really excited about finding out how to get themselves a home, but they're super freaked out and scared about getting a loan. So that's why we wanted you to be here to bring your expertise. So you've been doing this a long time, correct? I have, but I got to ask you one quick question before we get started. When you, you said, you know, sometimes they're freaked out and all that stuff. And speaking of freaked out, I got to ask one simple question. Is it true podcasters like to do this in their underwear? Oh, yeah. That's why you're only seeing me from the shoulders down. I so got it. If I ever decide to play this video, if I do stand up, it will be very scary. Okay, good. Glad we cleared that up. <laughs> well, you're, we're on the same page, right? You're doing the same thing? Totally. Okay. Boxers or briefs? Boxers. Okay, good. Well, that's far more information than my viewing audience needed. So, <laughs> Well, they got to get to know who we are, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so speaking of people being scared of things, picturing me in my underwear, that probably is the biggest thing that a lot of the first-time buyers are talking to me about is that they're scared or they're just not informed and don't realize that maybe they could be someone that could qualify for a loan. So talk to us about your experiences helping people qualify for their first loan for their first house. Yeah, it's such a big thing in their life. And it's not just a lot of money, but you know, it's a huge decision on where you're going to live. And it depends on what stage in your life you're at, right? If you're single, if you're married, newly married, if you got kids, there's school districts, there's can I walk to a restaurant or a market, all the way down to is it safe? I park whatever I want in front of my driveway or is some association going to tell me I can't park my sea-dews or my boat or whatever it is, right? There's, there's just a million things they got to think about. And a first-time homebuyer is so freaked out about all of it. And for the most part, I think the best way to, to say it is just don't be freaked out. Don't be so scared of all of it. Learn and have knowledge because that's really the most important thing you can do because you have to be informed about this loan you're getting into. You have to be informed about the neighborhood you're getting into. And then all of the rest will kind of fall in place. So I always tell my clients, stop worrying so much about all the details of what you and I do. That's why you hire a David Sedoni and a Dino because we handle that stuff for you. And just enjoy the fact that you're buying a brand new house and you're getting into your first home. I mean, in my opinion, financial freedom. And it's the first step of having a home. Sometimes it's an investment. Other times it's just a home, a home that you're going to be creating generational memories in with your family or even with your friends. You know, if you don't have a family yet, there's so many wonderful things that happen within the walls of this future home that you're buying that you need to just step back and enjoy it. Wow. Dino, you bring up a really great point there. I mean, you talked about there are a lot of processes that happen, but it's not their job to worry about it. That's why you hire us, right? Yeah. You know, I did a, a step-by-step podcast and step six was hire a realtor. And then it went all the way to step 13. And step 13 was opening escrow. And within step 13 were another 35 steps. But the reason why I did that is because when these first-time buyers go online and you Google how to buy a home, every top 10 things you need to know, they're all things that happen after they hire you and me. It's the stuff that we're supposed to know. I feel like it's people going in for heart surgery and they spend all the time researching what the guy's going to do after they're under anesthesia. Right. It's a great point. So in... Doing this and talking to folks, one of the big things that the first-time buyers say when they want to talk to a lender is, okay, I've rented an apartment before. What's the big difference between giving my information to a landlord and giving my information to a bank? Is it way more complicated than that? Yeah. So a landlord is just an individual wants to pick the right person for their home and who will take care of the home and obviously pay the bill on time. But they really, the majority of them don't have true insight of how to underwrite an individual. And, you know, I've been doing this for 21 years. So I try and think a little more like old school. And when I think old school, what I mean is 
new school is, let me see your credit report. What's your credit score? And it's as simple as that. If you have a good credit score, you're worthy. If you don't, you're not worthy. And I look at a credit report and I look at it totally different. I mean, if you have all of these late payments and you have all these collection accounts, then potentially you don't have, get out, we're busy. (laughs) (laughs) My my daughter's walking through the podcast because she's very, very interested in credit scores. (laughs) So I look at it and I try and read into it. So for example, sometimes there was a life event. When I see collection accounts and you missed your direct TV payment and, and your cell phone payment, and then you never paid them, well, maybe you don't have what it takes to be able to take on a house, right? But if I see that there's all these medical collection accounts, that means that at some point, something happened and you got sick. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you couldn't work for a while. Maybe there was something big that happened in your life that created this little process of you missing payments and you not being able to make payments and all this other stuff that that created this credit score. And if that's the case, then let's figure out how to tell that story and get you back to kind of like a par level. So you look credit worthy again, because at the end of the day, that is the new way of doing stuff. But let's use a little bit of logic and a little bit of old school and tell the story. So when I present this loan to the underwriter, it has a story behind it. And I can walk the underwriter through this path that I'm taking her down to look at you guys as individuals as opposed to a number. That oftentimes helps with getting loans approved. That's kind of like the difference of when you go to a big bank or you go to one of these online banks where you don't even talk to somebody or if you do, it's just a, a brief little, hey, thanks. You know, Thanks for, for coming on in and filling out our online application. Well, let me tell you something. This online application, it doesn't tell your story. And there's so much more to these individuals who are trying to buy a house. Now, I'll also be the first one to tell you that you have no business trying to buy a house. You know, you haven't been able to make any of your payments on time for the last two years. <laughs> like, what makes you think you should be buying a house right now? Let's get you squared up so you can get your life under control and your finances. And then let's get you to a point where you're buying a house. Wow. I literally was sitting here taking notes. There were so many great points. I, Somewhere out in podcast land, there are light bulbs going off in a bunch of first-time buyers' heads. You said so many things there. Tell your story. That's interesting. So that can be encouraging. So what you're telling us is that our folks looking to buy a home, that they're more than just that score. More than the score. They're more than just a number. All these places have these loan numbers and they've gotten to be so big that they're like nine to 10 digits long now. And that's all you are to them, you know? So I urge all first-time home buyers, fine, do some shopping, talk to a few different people, you know, whatever makes you comfortable. Even if you have a good credit score and you're credit worthy, still talk to a few different people. But I always tell everybody, stop focusing so much on the interest rate. At the end of the day, the interest rates are all pretty much the same, give or take, give or take a tad, right? You don't want to go with somebody who's the most expensive. Sure, that's a, a mistake. But it's oftentimes if you pick one of these online banks, for example, that just advertises these super low rates, you're going to miss out on so much other stuff, as well as not being able to talk to somebody that can give you true value when you're actually in the thick of it, when you're trying to, when not when you're pre-qualifying, that's the easy part. But when you're buying the house and you're in escrow and you have all these timelines and deadlines that you have to meet, and then you have somebody who's sitting behind a telephone or a computer that won't even talk to you. They just want to chat with you. It's like, is that any way... You mean computer chat? Or just transaction. Yeah. So, uh, sorry for... You did the hands when you said that because I'm looking at him on video. You actually mean message chat, like computer chat. Like that's the only way they'll even talk to you most of the time. And you know what? That's super cool. It's great. I can do that too. But let's message chat over simple things, right? Like super easy things. But when it gets a little tough, then let's talk. Don't be afraid. Don't be like these online banks where you're going to keep it at an arm's length because you're scared to talk to somebody. Don't be scared to talk to somebody. That's the best advice I can give these first-time homebuyers. Talk to somebody. 
don't just deal with the chat thing. And the reason why is because you're not buying a $100 item on Amazon. You're not even buying a, a $30 or $40,000 car. You're buying a four, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars house. Like for God's sake, talk to somebody. Don't be a fool. And when you talk to somebody, you will know the true character of who this person is. And if you can trust them, you'll just get that gut instinct. So I always tell my clients, like, fine, go talk to two, three, four people. Try to cap it at three. Otherwise, you'll just confuse the hell out of yourself. It's not worth doing, right? And go with the person your gut tells you you trust the most. Because at the end of the day, you're going to need somebody like yourself and somebody like myself who will actually be an advocate for you, not just for their paycheck. And unfortunately, you got to realize there's so many people in our industry that it's really, it's all about just their paycheck. And don't get me wrong, I want to get paid. At the end of the day, I don't come here and do this for free. But as you do, I know I have such a high ethical standard for my client that at times, if I know they need it, I'll do it for free, right? Who else will do that? I won't just do it for free, but if somebody really needs it, I will do that. And that goes to show the character of who I am and how much I care about you. So if you could talk to somebody, you'll actually hear it in their voice, hear it in their words, and you will then know you're going into this huge transaction with somebody behind you that is for you on your side, right? And that's why I love working with you. I've known you now for a while. We've done a ton of deals together. And I can honestly say that you know, you bend over freaking backwards to help these people. And the funny thing is, is for the smallest deals, I see you bending over and doing cartwheels even more so for them, for the smallest ones. Versus most people are like, are you kidding me? I'm not going to make any money on this one. Like, I'm going to go, I got it in, great, let's let it roll. I'm going to go focus on bigger and better things. Well, thank you very much, Dino. You know, it really does come from that place, like you were talking about. If that, sorry, my mind is still stuck on the, why don't you call me so you can hear the tone of my voice as opposed to interpret the chat? That's amazing. You know, I did a whole podcast the other day talking about the push button technology, the tap technology. And because I've heard so many horror stories, I never even realized that they were chat-based. That's incredible. And another thing that that I think a lot of the listeners aren't going to get, and I'm going to reciprocate to you, we're doing this podcast our second day into our work week. (laughs) I say that like we don't work seven days a week sometimes. But we are here today because yesterday we were supposed to try to get together. And Dino called me in the morning and said, Hey, I have a client and we have a really important deal and I understand the deadlines. And so there's going to be a potential, not a phone call, but a potential for a phone call during that time slot that we do the podcast. Can we reschedule so I can be fully available? That's the kind of personal touch that you're talking about, right, Dino? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we're doing it now before anybody else shows up to my office and before the phones start ringing because most people aren't even awake yet. And now nothing's going to get in our way of doing this because this is important too. But quite honestly, once business hours start, then we got to pay more attention to the clients and their needs. Yeah, I think it's funny. You know, Everybody has their best intentions and their to-do list. But what we do a lot of the times is reacting throughout the day. I had a showbiz background and people thought I was going to be a great real estate agent because I was an actor. And I kept telling them, you know what real estate lenders are? It's not about having the big glitzy personality to attract people because you spend your whole day putting out fires. We're the people behind the scenes, the stage managers, the lighting guys on the movie set, making sure that everything's perfect when things start to go sideways. Okay, let's go back and do a little definition for us because we do have some folks that have never thought about this. You've helped explain to them that they're not a score if they're talking to a real person. And then you used a word that I'm wondering if they heard Undertaker. And you mentioned it multiple times because now they might think that they're really going to die in this transaction. You said underwriter. So explain to them who's the underwriter and and how does that process work in a loan? 
Yeah. So, or what's an underwriter, dude? An underwriter is basically the person that signs off on the deal that says, you are worthy of us giving you money to buy a house. So their job is to try and poke holes into your loan application and decide whether or not the company they work for is the bank they work for is going to to give you money. So it's funny because let me just kind of like say they're trying to kill a deal. But I got to tell you too, there's a multitude of banks to choose from of where to go. So I'll give you an example. I'm a mortgage broker, not a banker. The difference is if I was a banker, I'd be working for a particular bank and then I would have those products available that that bank has only. Those products meaning they only have a certain amount of loans. Yeah. So they have, for example, the standard 30-year fix, right? Everybody has that. And then they have these other loan products. Sometimes they are, if you don't qualify this traditional way and you're self-employed, there's some other products where if you provide 12 months worth of bank statements, for example, then we can add up all of your deposits divided by 12 and that's your income, which is kind of cool because a very traditional bank doesn't allow that. But we have banks on the broker side that you guys don't even know about because they're wholesale that allow something like that. Or another product would be a, a P&L. You provide a, a profit and loss statement if you're self-employed. You back it up with only two months worth of bank statements. This shows that the revenue you have actually fits your bank statements and boom, you're qualified. So here's kind of going back to your underwriter question. Now, we have these underwriters within and as a banker, they have their bank's loan programs and their bank's underwriters. And there's a certain tolerance level that that bank has. And what that means is maybe they're not as risk adverse and they just want the perfect person who's a 740 credit score and been on the same job forever and all that stuff. But then there's these other banks that, in my opinion, like on this wholesale side that I'm at, have a different like viewpoint of things. They're not trying to kill the deal like a lot of people think underwriters are. They're actually fighting for our business. So they are constantly coming to us as brokers saying, hey, we want you to give us loans. We have great customer service. We have a can-do attitude. We have great rates. We're okay if your client doesn't have a, an 800 credit score. So they're actually trying to make the deal work. And that's what the beauty of my side of the business is, of the broker side, because we deal on the wholesale level. So all these different banks, all these different underwriters, and we know which bank is more tolerable to what. So it's a real true advantage to be able to, to know which bank to go to. And then we prepare the file. We pre-underwrite it in a way that we know they like to see it. And therefore, the chances of it getting approved there are significantly higher because of that. Versus if you were to go walk into some random bank, like one of the big box banks out there, well. All you have is a loan officer on one side that likes to chat with you online versus talk and doesn't have the sharpened tools in his tool chest knowing how to put a file together the right way. So when it gets submitted to the underwriter, the underwriter is constantly looking for holes to put in it because they don't like what they see. So what I'm saying is, is basically... There's so many different avenues to go down. And you as an individual, as a consumer, not saying a big bank can't be good, but all they have is what they have. And that's it. There's so many other programs out there and so many other banks and a whole different tolerance level at these other banks. And a lot of times as a first-time homebuyer, you know, you kind of need a little bit of help and a little direction. It's like trying to find the destination without your Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, you brought up some really interesting points there because I, I do get people that have questions about a, a mortgage banker or just a bank because sometimes they're not even thinking in that term. And I, when I discuss a mortgage broker, a lot of times I see them start to be afraid or they start to think, but that's something that's really interesting. You, A, or mortgage brokers in general can help the folks who might not have been at a job for 25 years with the same job, the same paycheck. For instance, oh, I don't know, let's say you're 32 years old and I've been out of college and I've been bouncing around trying to figure out 
what you're doing and you're only a couple of years into a new job. Perhaps some of the folks who are listening to this podcast. But what you said that I thought was really interesting is the banks have their products they sell. When you work with a mortgage broker, there are these wholesale banks that are actually selling themselves to you, Dino. They're saying, hey, Dino, because we don't get paid by Big Daddy, Bank of America, or Wells Fargo, or City or Chase, we don't get our paycheck no matter what. So they're fighting for your business, which means you can turn that around and bring a bank that wants to work with yeah, buyers. Exactly. That's really cool. Yeah, and you nailed it. They want to work with you. They will overlook certain things because they can. And like the fact that we're in our underwear right now? Yeah, I mean, they're so cool with me working in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I'll tell you something. Here's an example. Just yesterday, I got a brand new client and one of these uh, total deal killers at the vast majority of the banks. What I mean by that is she's fine in every which way, except for the fact that she just quit her job and she's accepting a new job that she hasn't even started yet, but she fell in love with this house yesterday and she wants to buy it. But she hasn't even started this other job yet. And try going to certain banks and telling them you want a loan. It's not going to happen. Or they're going to say, okay, that's fine, but you need to be working there for X amount of time so we can see that that you're really going to get paid. Versus I have a really great bank on the wholesale level that all they want is a contract from the new employer clearly stating what your new salary is and clearly stating what your, your start date is. And as long as you have a start date that's within two months, two months, you can even get a job without officially be working and a clear salary date or number, you're in. You're in. And you're not even paying extra for it. It's a good bank with good interest rates. Okay. Because the rule of thumb, a lot of people might not know this, but you and I know this, and some of our folks have listened to the podcast is you got to have a job for two years. What you're telling me is because you have a plethora of products from a plethora of banks that don't even have the job yet, just have the offer in hand and some places still might approve you. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's incredible. Okay. So then the last myth then that I would like to see from your perspective, there are a lot of, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of first time buyers say, you know, Hey, I'm 30 years old right now, but I've been working on this adulting crap and I've got a great relationship with my credit union. And usually what that means is they've got five or $10,000 saved. They maybe started a small retirement fund with them and they got their $30,000 car loan. Now, that's a lot to that first-time buyer. But then does that credit union or that big box bank, does that matter? Are they going to now suddenly have a, a better loan product than a mortgage broker who could be shopping it all over town because, hey, these guys want to work with me. I gave them my money. Yeah, that's a great question. And here's, here's my answer to it. I will first say I have no love for big banks because no matter how much money you have in their, in their bank, you're still just a number. Now let's switch over to credit unions like you asked. Every once in a while, I've seen something incredible happen at a credit union. And I'm not going to knock it. Every once in a while, you know, I saw that. And it's typically not the standard credit union. The ones I've seen it on, there's some military credit unions that get a, a big influx of, of cash. And they have like $100 million, for example. And they offer something ridiculous, like ridiculously cheap. So one of my clients brought this to me one time and I just didn't buy it. So I called up and said I wanted to join the credit union and made up this whole story. And then I wanted to see if this was available. And then I finally came clean. I'm like, how is this available? It's impossible. I couldn't even do it free for myself. They told me, they're like, yeah, man. He goes, every once in a while, we get this big influx of cash coming from, you know, because it's military and we have to give it out. And it's only good for as long as they have that money and then everything goes back to normal. So, you know, I bowed down and I, and I acknowledged and I said, awesome. You know, every once in a while, a credit union is awesome. But the vast majority of credit unions are not that way. And the vast majority of credit unions are actually 
very, very conservative. So just because you have a car loan with them and just because you have some money in their bank, it doesn't mean that they are just going to hand you a big check to go buy a big house. And it's because you still have to meet certain credit guidelines, income guidelines, you know, debt ratio guidelines. And for the most part, credit unions are known to be conservative. So on the wholesale side, they just have a, a much larger risk tolerance. So in my opinion, it's a lot better to go on the wholesale side because we have a lot of options. Well, even, and the great thing about that is like, you know, even if you're the perfect client and have the perfect score and the perfect everything, there's still so many more options. Well, it's like you said, if you have the perfect score and you have the perfect... And okay, so let's say we have that client who has the perfect score and they've been banking at this credit union for 10 years. That doesn't mean that the credit union is then going to give them the 10% discount because they've had X amount of dollars been working with us for 10 years, right? There is no, there's no secret deal in the back for people that we like. Nothing like that at all. And it's usually the big awakening for people that have lived by this code through credit unions that they think they're going to, that they're loved and that they will be taken care of all the way to the end. And then they realize that at the end of the day, they're still just a number. It's not as bad as the big banks, but at the end of the day, a credit union has very conservative guidelines that they have to follow. They can't just give the money out. It doesn't meet their conservative guidelines. And that's what I found to be the case the majority of the time. Well, it's really interesting because you and I have actually had personal experience with the, you know, the, the big credit union that works for, for their, our Disney folks. Yeah. And it's, it actually, it's a, it's a testament to you because you know, we had people that were... The credit union for the Disney people, they're so great with small personal loans and car loans that people have a great opinion of them. But, you know, I'm hitting number, uh, I think we're at 69, and not one person has ever used them. But so the folks out there know if you're working with a mortgage broker and you actually have interviewed the right people, we actually, the, the credit union had a really fantastic product and it was for a zero down payment. And when I brought it to Dino and said, hey, all our Disney folks are going to be bailing and going over here. Dino said, dude, if they qualify for that one, tell them to go get it. That to me made me feel very good about who I was choosing to work with and who I was choosing to refer to other people. But in your position, you feel comfortable doing that because you realize either A, it's one of those crazy deals like where you called and found out, or B, once they get a couple steps down the line, they're going to find out that maybe that's for that crazy well-established that what we call a borrower, but that buyer who's got a ton of cash. And yes, they offer the product, but most likely 90 to 95% of the first-time buyers aren't going to get that thing. Even though you said, I can't beat it, but you don't tell them, hey, good luck, go try to qualify for it. You just say, I can't beat it, go check it out. Yeah. And I got to tell you, just like I said earlier, every once in a while there is something that isn't available to me. And if it is available and it's there, then by all means, you know, you need to go and explore it and try. If it doesn't turn out to be as rosy as, you know, as it may sound, then I'm always here. I just told this to, to somebody last week. I'm like, look, I, if there's a way for you to save money, and I'm not talking about like $10 a month or something like that, I'm talking about something significant, then by all means, I do not want you to use me just because it's me. Like you need to go save money. You know, I mean, we're talking it's long term and it's something that that you need to do. So it's hard for me to to say this, right? But at the end of the day, it's like I don't want to. I got four kids. I don't want to turn any business down. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. But at the same time, I would feel horrible if I did some fast talking and got somebody to use me when I knew there was something that was significantly better somewhere else. And I had a client last year actually, and they were really struggling to buy this home. Really, really struggling. They did everything we told them to do. We worked on getting their credit score better. We increased it by a ton. They needed a little extra cash in reserves. 
So we did a little bill of sale on the, the third car that they had and had this proof all of a sudden that they got this money and they stuck it in their account. We were able to use it. So now they had their reserves. We literally, like we worked on this thing. We teed it up for months to get them to qualify. And just like that, in the middle of the transaction, I don't know what the heck, but we found this credit union that was advertising this special thing. And, and I was like, gosh, darn it. That's like perfect for them. So much better than what I have. And I called them up because it was still a little hard to believe. And sure enough, it was no money down, but you had to be like so beyond perfect in order to get it. But keep in mind, we just spent about two or three months putting this perfect person together on paper. So believe it or not, he was actually perfect. And I was like, well, mine was 5% down. Theirs was no money down. You know, and you get pretty close to your clients after working with them for a while. And I mean, from our side as a lender, we know everything about them. And, you know, and a lot of money. Yeah. I was like, as bad as this feels to lose a deal, I want to make sure that I tell you about this because it's the only way that I can have a good conscience, you know? And he did. And he went there and he was extremely thankful because it saved him, you know, about $35,000 on his down payment. And he was able to buy his car back afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. The only way you can get these crazy once-in-a-lifetime deals is if you're a, a perfect buyer or a perfect borrower. But the only way that you can become a perfect buyer or a perfect borrower is if they spend time working with someone like you. Yeah. <laughs> Create. yeah and, and it is what it is. You know, I mean, I still felt good about doing it. The other thing I want to stress to people, though, that's really, really important. I get asked all the time about all these special deals and first-time homebuyer deals. And, and there's so much stuff that's out there. The easiest way for me to say it that I, wanna, I want you all to just pay attention to. And if you can't see me on video, I want you to envision this. So envision this bank or this entity reaching out with one big hand with a pile of cash. When one hand giveth, now think about this other hand coming in from the other side the other hand taketh. So what I mean by that is like, yeah, they're willing to give you, but too often they're taking on the other side way more than they should be. So sometimes these programs, if it's the only way you can get into a house, then maybe it's good and maybe it's worth doing. But too often there's better solutions that you might not get exactly what you want on one end, but you're going to put yourself in a much better position to succeed in the next five years because you didn't sell your soul in order to, to get what they were offering. So just remember, when one hand giveth, the other hand taketh. So sometimes it's not as good as it looks on the long term. And you need to understand and be aware of that. And if you don't understand it completely, that's again, when you talk to somebody like David or to me and go through the process and figure out if that is the best solution or... Can you do a couple things to qualify for this other loan instead, including coming up with maybe 3% down or 3.5% down? But between David and I, we can help with the closing costs. There's so many different avenues that we can help with all of that. And you'll end up with a much better loan that you won't be tied to for years to come. Meaning, you get into a loan, let's just say the... Well, I'll give you a good example. This one gal that, that I did a loan for last year, Boy, did she like step over every stone and toss over every stone to dig and come up with the money to put down as her down payment. Single mom of two, you know, works hard, doesn't have much in savings at all. Definitely didn't have the entire three and a half percent down for the FHA loan, but she was able to go borrow a little bit from dad. She was able to borrow a little bit from her 401k and she put together the three and a half percent. We took care of all the closing costs. The way we did that is, the realtor negotiated it in on the purchase. So for example, let's just say the, the going uh, price is 400000 He did a, a $405,000 sales price and then asked the seller to pay for $5,000 worth of closing costs. So what really happened? Nothing. The seller ended up netting the exact same amount of money. The buyer did not have to come in with $5,000, which was awesome. And then on the loan side, the going rate was 4.25%. We actually gave her 4.375%. And because she took a little bit of a higher interest rate, 
we were able to pay for all of her taxes and her insurance for the next six months. So she was totally covered and her payment only went up by like 20 bucks a month for doing that, which is killer. Fast forward now, interest rates today for FHA loans are awesome, like incredible. So I pulled up all my FHA clients yesterday and I started calling them all and I'm like, I called her in particular. The reason why I'm bringing her up is because her situation, right? Single mom, works hard, deadbeat dad does not give one dime to her and has not given her any money for years and years and years, right? Her interest rate as of right now, because we locked it in, it's going to be 3.375%. Smoking, like game changer for her. And little disclaimer, if you're listening to this podcast in the future, first of all, tell us what it's like. I want to know if I get rocket shoes. And second of all, this is June 2019. So don't call us and ask for 3.3 if the rates go up. In the- <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dino, keep going. Yeah. So, so what I mean by that is if she had gotten into one of these first time home buyer special kind of, we're going to help you out with everything because we love you so much kind of loans. Today, she would be stuck in that loan and she would not have been able to refinance into this 3.375% interest rate. And what I mean now that's so important that I want you to understand is that rate, if she had gotten it, if she had gotten into one of those kind of loans, she got a 4.375%. That rate in that loan at that time would have been like 4.875%. So the payment would have been even higher So she would have gotten a few things paid for. She wouldn't have had to come up with some cash like she did, but her monthly payment would be significantly higher and she'd be stuck in it for years to come versus now she's not stuck at all and she's refinancing. She's going to be saving even more money every month. And lo and behold, when you're doing a refinance, if you time it right, guess what? You can also skip two payments. So she's going to be skipping her next two payments, which is awesome. So that's interesting because I I have a little theory when people ask me about the first time buyer grants too, because it's now that they've listened to this podcast, they know that wherever the best deal is, you're going to send them there. So that's great. But that's kind of a little known fact. The first time buyer grants, what you're saying is she has the ability to refinance because it's a more traditional style loan. But these first time buyer grants, you're locked into it. You cannot refinance out of it for a long time or forever? Yeah. So they're all a little different, but a lot of them are like five years. And if you do refinance or sell the house, then you have to pay it all back. So you really didn't gain anything and you were paying a higher interest rate the whole way through. Wow. That's interesting. Well, And I'm not saying to delay in buying a house. If it's the only way you can buy a house, it may not be such a bad gig, but there's times too where I want to say too often people put this plan together all by themselves of how they're going to buy the house and when they're going to buy the house and what they're going to do to make their credit score better and what they're going to do to save more money. And all I'm saying is, is you know what, when you start thinking about even potentially buying a house, that's the best time to engage with somebody like myself or somebody like David, because we can help you put that plan together. Even if it's two years out, it's fine. It's no big deal. It just call us up because we'll help you put it together. And chances are because we've been through so much of this stuff with so many other clients, we can probably help get you there faster or at least more efficiently. And that's the whole mission behind the How to Buy a Home podcast. And the listeners who have uh, been listening to the other, the other podcasts, they know that I'm pretty sure someone's not going to chat message you two years out before you're going to buy with their online bank. They're not going to send you instant messages on your laptop and start to talk to you about the two-year plan. Yeah. And they won't. And they're not even going to care about you because their funnel in their CRM is much smaller than that. Meaning if it's within three months, they grade you a certain way and they'll pay attention to you. If it's within six months, you still have a little bit of their love and attention. If it's anything further than that, you might as well be the redheaded stepchild. Boy, I wonder if I've said this on the podcast. I said it when I was thinking about starting the podcast, but I cannot tell you how many real estate seminars I have gone to where they, they grade the buyers, like you said, A, B, and C. 
And the way it works is if you're going to buy a house in 30 days, if someone walks into your open house, this is what they'll teach real estate agents. If they're going to buy in 30 days, awesome. That's an A buyer. Jump all over that person and give them fantastic service. If they say 30 to 90 days, that's a B buyer. If they say 90 days or more, that's C, as in see you later. Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard people on stage teaching other real estate agents that. I want to go back to one point that I think is a great wrap up because it sort of encapsulates everything that we're talking about. Are there first time buyer grants out there somewhere? Yes. But one of the things that what you just mentioned is if you're willing to start your plan early, and that's the whole thing we're trying to do here is get you guys to start thinking about this early. You may find out that you can put yourself in a better situation over those two years instead of just waiting and grabbing that grant. See, what happens is people think that you have a wallet, that wallet has money, and I walk into Target and I pick the item off the shelf and buy it. But you and I know that's not the way it works. Real estate's crazy. You're not going to Target. You're going to one lady who decided to sell her house and she could be the crazy cat lady and she might be nuts. And your, don't, your wallet doesn't get filled with money uh, in the same way. Sometimes if you go and do it on your own and you spend two years working on it, you can get a loan approval in 30 days. So that money's in your wallet right now and you can go buy the bank and you can go buy the house. If you're using a grant, you and I talk about all the time, a lot of times those loans take a lot longer to process. So we're talking 45 or 60 days. And real estate is all about two things, time and money. And if that crazy lady wants to get out of her house in 30 days, you might have jumped through all these hoops to get the first time buyer grant, but now you can't close in time. And so you lose the deal to somebody else. Whereas if you'd spent the last couple of years working with us and figuring out how to make a plan, you might have been in a situation to pull the trigger a little faster and get the house that you really wanted, which in the long run is the true value, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if I can just piggyback off that a little bit. You know, in today's market, again, June 4th, 2019, when you and I are talking, the market is just red hot out there. Multiple offers, multiple offers right away, and a lot of stiff competition, right? So I always say, no matter how good looking you are on paper, there's always somebody that's a little better looking. You might have a 750 credit score and 10% down. The other guy's got 20% down and an 800 credit score. And it's hard. So if the seller was just looking at the paper, they would be looking at who's qualified the most, right? And, and that's a simple, who's got the best credit score and who's got you know, the highest offer. But there's so much more to putting an offer in than that. And that includes the rest of the deal. So how many days of escrow do you need in order to close? You might need 45 for one of these special programs. Well, guess what? Even if you have an 800 credit score and 10% down or even 20% down, the other guy is going to be ready and close in 30 days. And guess what? That seller typically wants their money sooner, not later. So they like that. In today's market, it's very hard to even get an offer accepted if you need 45 days or if you have to go through this process of getting these grants and all this other stuff going in. Because if there's other people that are interested in buying the house, they're going to get chosen over you. And that's just how it is. Now, if the market shifts, that's a whole different story. Because then, you know, if there's not another buyer, then they're going to wait for you to do what you need to do. But not in today's market. It's very hard to do. So I know David and I have been doing this for a long time. When there is stiff competition, that's when we actually rise to the top more so than anybody else. And the reason why is because the standard contract is written with a 30-day close of escrow. The standard contract has a 21-day loan contingency period, which means you as the buyer get 21 days to situate your loan. Otherwise, if something goes wrong, you get your, down, your deposit money back. The standard contract has a 17-day appraisal and loan ins or a home inspection contingency, which means you get 17 days to go inspect the home and make sure if there's anything wrong, you get it squared away. And us on the lender side, we get to do the appraisal and make sure that it's worth what you're paying for. Well, David and I do so well, even if you only had 3.5% down and your credit score was only 680, the chances of you getting your offer accepted is slim to none. Because like I said earlier, there's always somebody that's a little better looking on paper. But 
the way David and I package this loan and package this offer is we come in with 20-day close of escrow, not 30. And instead of a 21-day loan contingency period, we come in with zero. The reason why we come in with zero is because it basically makes you look like an all-cash offer. Who cares what your credit score is? You know why? Because we're signing off on all our contingencies up front. We're saying we don't have any issues getting these people alone. So how powerful is that? Right? You could be up against the guy with an 800 credit score, but who cares? If you only have a 680, they have 21 days on their contract. You have zero. You are just as good, just as strong as an all-cash offer. And then sure, there's a 17-day home inspection and an appraisal contingency. Well, you know what? David and I don't need 17 days. We can do it in 10. And then when we package this and give it to the seller and you're up against all this competition, well, guess what? You got this seller that's looking at all these people. And sometimes the highest bid is not even always the best offer. Sometimes the best offer is the one with all the best terms. And if the seller is trying to sell a house and go buy another house, guess what? No loan contingencies is going to help him get an offer accepted on another house. 20-day close of escrow, guess what? Having money in his account in 20 days versus 30 is going to be extremely powerful for him in order to be able to go buy a house. So you might be two or $3,000 under the next guy on your offer, but you have the best offer still because you're basically guaranteeing that you're going to close this thing versus the other guy goes all the way to the max and then can't even qualify after 21 days. So they have to back out of escrow and now the seller has to lose the house they found and they're stuck trying to relist this house and get it back on the market. Only now it's got a stigma because it's been on the market for a long time. So what I'm saying is, is there's a lot of ways to package something, but unfortunately, there's way too many real estate agents out there, especially the ones that are typically willing to work with the first time home buyers that don't even understand what I just said. And if they don't understand it, there is no way they're going to package this and sell it, right? I mean, packaging it and putting it on paper is one thing, but selling it to the listing agent and the seller is another. And you have to know how to do that properly. So I really, the last thing I'm going to leave you with is find a team that's going to work for you and find a team that is ultra aggressive because this market is not for sissies. I'll just say it that way. It's not for sissies, right? You got to be able to beat out the competition. And if your realtor can't stand up strong and firm and present this offer with power, there is no way you're going to get a house. That's just the unfortunate truth right now. You know, it's so interesting because the way you set it up, it makes the most sense. Our job is to make you the best looking person bringing an offer in. We're like super stylists. And (laughs) so all the people out there in, in how to buy a homeland know, I tell them, look, man, this podcast doesn't just go from my home here in Orange County and stop at 20 miles. It's for everybody out there. So the number one thing first time buyers do when they're shopping for lenders is they start, is they're thinking about rates and price and rates and price. You know how I tell you guys out there that you need to go find your unicorn realtor. Don't work with a trainee who's like Dina was saying, go find that unicorn realtor, the experienced agent who's willing to take the time with you. Dino just changed my whole thing right now. Our job is to make you better looking. And you're so ugly, it's going to take us two or three years. Come see us early. Is that good? <laughs> Should I put that on my business cards, Dino? You think that's going to get? We want to help. I think we can fine tune that just a little bit. <laughs> so if you're out there, realize that prices and rates are great, but someone is willing to help you get better looking because it sucks, but there's always somebody better looking than us out there. Work with a team that was going to take a couple of years to help you get the best looking package that you can and get you in front of those folks. So awesome. Do you know this is fantastic? And I love that you said they, the, the realtors probably didn't even understand what you just said because I know some of the listeners might not have. It's so true. And, and let me add to that too. Even if you're not good looking, yeah, we'll help you out, right? We'll help you get good looking. But <laughs> you are good looking already and you're ready to go and you've got all your stuff in line. I got to tell you, if you don't have a lot of money to put down and you don't have the best credit score in town, you're still going to have the same problem. 
So let us help you in that situation. And if you're not even around here, right? You're some other state, for example. David knows people in all the states. He can refer you to somebody that knows how to work in the manner that we're talking about. And it's not for everybody. It's an aggressive manner. So the realtor has to start has to start with the loan officer because he's got to be able to back it up. But then it has to end with the realtor because he needs to go out there and present it and present it with confidence and sell the offer. Because when there's stiff competition, you have to be able to, to stand out in the crowd. Yeah. And we're doing it. I got my gal Faith out in uh, North Carolina. She's over in Charlotte. And she's in step two now. Helped her find a unicorn realtor. And now she's got some questions about her lender. And I'm basically, you know, going to download this podcast and say, here's some of the answers to the questions you were asking about. But we're able to put you in touch with folks all over the country and give you a roadmap. This is kind of roadmap number two, things you're looking for with a lender. We already did things to look for when uh, you're finding a realtor. So Dino, if anyone uh, does have questions or uh, if they're down here in Southern California and want to reach out to you, how do people find you and say, make me more good looking? 1-800-UNICORN. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No. So yeah, great. Thank you, David. Guys, I first of all, I'm only licensed in California. But if you need some advice, just somebody to talk to you about a couple things, feel free to call me. I can't do the loans anywhere else, but I'll help you out still and kind of guide you as to finding somebody and, and helping you put together the right package. My phone number is 949-720-1616. That's 949-720-1616. And you can even text me at that number. And my email address is dino, D-I-N-O, at C-A, CoastalLoans.com. The name of the company is California Coastal Loans. So CA like California, CoastalLoans.com. And we'll put all that on the blog at davidsedoni.com. So don't, uh, if you're in the middle of your workout or driving, don't worry about it. It'll be in this podcast blog notes in the transcription right there at davidsedoni.com. Dino, thank you so much. This was super fun, super informative. People came in here looking for real advice on money and and instead we told them uh, that we're stylists and unicorns and they need to find stylists and unicorns when they're buying a house. (laughs) How cheesy is that? I love it. Thanks for having me on, David. I really appreciate it. I'm stoked you're doing this for all the people. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Dino. All right. Take care, buddy. Bye.